This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. As well as that, you know, God put a prophecy on this church years and years ago that this church would be a hospital, that people would come here, they would be healed, and they would be encouraged, and they would be put back to work for him. And I feel as if God has just done so much in your life uh, since you've been here. We're sorry to see you go, but we're glad that you uh, put up with much of my persuasion to come this morning because I believe this will not be the first or the last time that you will be doing this and speaking to people uh, at other churches as well. So in faith, I'm saying, Lord, will you take Naomi's word as I poke her in the eye? Lord, I thank you for Naomi and the many gifts that you have showered her with. I pray today that as she shares the word that you will give her boldness, that you give her courage, and Lord, above all else, may your Holy Spirit anoint her lips right now in Jesus' name, that we might be encouraged and challenged by your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give her a round of applause. Good morning, ABC. I had done this before, so feel free to give me some constructive criticism afterwards if it's awful because there is a high high chance it could be um who was up early yesterday morning watching the lions anybody yes blokes were anybody were watching wimbledon yeah so there's been sort of a few different sporting things that have been on this week um and some of you probably won't remember this but the first time i came to abc pastor phil was talking about the olympics so it's kind of like a throwback yeah whatever anyway so what if i told you that you had everything that you needed to become a lion you had the genetic capabilities you had the talent you had all the sort of components that you need to be a lions player if you knew that you had everything that you had to become a lion how would that change your life would it change your life day to day would you would you bother to go down to the rugby club and actually say guys don't worry it's it i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a lion i got i've got this um or would you just sort of continue on as you have been and not really be bothered about about sort of the purpose that you could have in your life um, and that's kind of what my message is about today is the purpose that God has called us to big big things um, so I'm going to read from second Peter chapter one I don't know what I'm doing with my hands as a side note that's who knows and it's going to hopefully hit the screen soon. Yeah. So this is from Second Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read through till verse 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind. He has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail, fall, 
and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's big. Um, I kind of like Peter. I like Peter a little bit better than I like Paul. Controversial. Paul's kind of, he knows it all. No one likes to know it all. Peter's like, he comes from somewhere a bit more basic. He's a fisherman, just rocks up, just rocks up to a boat and goes, follow me. And he's like, cool. Um, which is, is hopefully how, how we all sort of start out in our faith, um, is that God calls us and, and we just go, cool. Um, this letter that Peter's writing here, he's writing to people who already know about Jesus. He's not writing this letter to people that need to be told about Jesus. Um, he says in verse 1, actually, um, to those through the righteousness of, God and, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So right at the outset of this letter, Peter's reminding us that faith is where it all starts. It all starts with faith. Okay, he goes on to talk about things that we maybe need to add to our faith and how we can grow and things like that. Um, but he starts out and talks about faith. Um, and I don't know, some of you maybe don't know, there's a biblical definition of faith and there's a, a sort of dictionary definition of faith. So I hit up the dictionary first. Um, and the dictionary says that faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Um, and then if you want to go to the biblical dictionary of Hebrews, um, in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. Um, and God calls us to that faith. Something that hit me when I was sort of preparing this message is that God calls us to a really scary faith. He calls us to the same faith that if you keep reading Hebrews chapter 11, he lists some people of faith and he calls you to that same faith. He calls you to have the same faith that Peter had, that Paul had, that Moses had, that Abraham had. He calls you to, to that faith. And sort of, I find that quite scary. I mean, I don't read the Bible and go, oh, there's that Irish vet who's in Ammonford, yeah. Isn't she great, great example of faith. I haven't read that passage yet. If you find it, let me know, um, because I really like to read it, because I think it's probably pretty good. Um, but that statement by itself probably should be kind of intimidating to us. It should be intimidating that we're called to the same faith as these people that actually made it into the Bible are. But when you look at it through God's lens, you'll be able to see that God's actually given you everything that you need to be able to live out that faith, to be able to... to be Peter in, in your situation, to be Paul, to be David, to be Abraham, to be whoever you want to be, really. Um, and when we realize that it's through his divine power that we have everything that we need, we realize that it's not on our own strength that we have to go out into this world and tell people about God. <coughs> yes. <laughs> Said it all. You know that, like, just, just checking. Um... The other thing that we sort of get from our faith is if you go to verse, I, I don't know if you do this very much in this church, something that I maybe have a little hint about. Please refer back to your passage when you get your points. Really annoys me when I have to go looking for it myself. Tell me what verse you're referring to because then it makes, <laughs> makes life a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, so in sort of verse, verses three and four, um, we're talking about how we can, what we get from our faith. So we start off with this basic faith. What do we get from it? What's the point? What's the point in having faith at all? Um, so number one, we get everything that we need for a godly life. Everything. 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 
everything. Um, and then the next thing that we get is his very great and precious promises. As if, as if everything wasn't enough, God felt the need to sort of repeat himself, but in a different way. He's like, you got everything, but by the way, you've also got those great and precious promises that you've been reading about day in, day out, hopefully, um, for sort of the duration of your life. Promises like, God will never leave you or forsake you. Promises like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You've got those promises because of your faith. Yes, but the biggest promise that we get from our faith is that our faith, faith will save us from the separation that our sin deserves. Our faith rescues us. Our faith takes us, helps us to escape the corruption of this world. And it calls us to participate in the divine nature big words um i went i didn't go back to the greek i watched some bloke on youtube ian probably will know the word if you want to ask him later (laughs) some bloke on youtube not a very reliable source told me that that word participation is actually the word in greek that means relationship it calls us to a relationship with god it doesn't call us just to simply be part of the, the thing it calls us to actually relate to god and to grow with him it's not a passive calling it's a calling with purpose. Yeah. It's a call us, calling that sort of leads us on yeah. to greater things. Yeah, now, there's a very comfortable part in this passage, and it's sort of the gap between verses 4 and 5. That gap is where a lot of Christians can find themselves if they're not careful. You can find yourself in that gap between, between verse 4 and 5 where you have those great and precious promises, you have the divine nature, you've escaped corruption, you've got a really genuine faith, but you can't be bothered to do anything about it. And that gap is where a lot of, I think, young Christians spend a lot of their time um, just doing not very much, really. Just sitting out, chilling. It's kind of a, the lazy zone. this lazy Christianity where you have got a faith. You know you're saved. Maybe you've been baptized and you're just kind of chilling. Yeah. forgetting where I'm going um and in that zone you get people who have this kind of ornamental faith sits on the side in the house most of the week then Sunday morning comes you take it down you give a little get a little clean wipe off that dust that's gathered over the week sometimes quite a thick layer sometimes not so bad you just go right take that with me today fantastic pop in my back pocket pop it out bring it with me But really what we should have is we should have a fundamental faith, a faith that we take with us every single day, a faith that we never actually take off, a faith that's so valuable to us that we keep it on the whole time. The only thing that I can think that we could actually sort of represent that with in this world is a wedding ring. People don't take those things off really that often unless they're going to have surgery or something. They keep them on the whole time. Why? Because it's a symbol. It's a symbol of what they have promised. And that's what our faith is. Our faith is a symbol of what we have promised. Verse 5 is where it gets kind of uncomfortable. Verse 5 is when Peter says, make every effort. And if we're honest, we don't make every effort. We never make any effort. Sometimes we don't make any effort at all. Um... Sometimes we, we just can't be bothered. That's, yeah, we, we can't be bothered sometimes, that's the truth. Um, but Peter goes on to list things that we should be consciously adding to our faith. It's not something that sort of happens accidentally. You have to be intentional. And Phil's been talking a lot about spiritual growth recently, um, and you have to be intentional in your spiritual growth. Things, things grow when the conditions are right. So God's told us that 
we have everything that we need for a godly life, so therefore the conditions are always right for growth. But it's whether or not you make the most of those conditions. It depends whether you actually change at all. So the first thing he talks about is goodness. Goodness is a really weak word in our society, and there's other sort of translations other than the NIV, wherever James is, he wanted me to call it the Northern Irish version. There you go. The Northern Irish, the Northern Irish version has a very weak word for that interpretation. There's other um, translations that call it moral excellence. Are you morally excellent this morning? Is anyone going to call themselves morally excellent this morning? Because that is the first thing that you should be adding to your faith, is moral excellence. Some people think that orders of things aren't important. This order's pretty important, I think, because if we try and jump to the last one, which is love, good luck. That's all I can say. If you try and skip the process to get to the reason why you should be loving people around you, you're, you're going to fail. Sorry. Um, if you don't start with the, the easy bits, welcome, the easy bits of moral excellence. Um, the next step after moral excellence is to add knowledge. More Greek, same bloke on YouTube. Don't know who he is anyway. <laughs> He said that this word, what's the word for knowledge in this passage, when you translate it from the original Greek, means a knowledge of things that we have experienced, a knowledge of things that we are living out, that we know about, a knowledge of God through our moral code. So when you're living out your faith through this moral excellence, you learn stuff about God. You learn how he wants you to behave in certain situations. You learn how, how to respond to things that he says in his word. And you learn things about his character. Um, And because you're learning things about his character, the next step that you want to do is you want to better yourself by being more self-controlled. You don't want to make as many mistakes as you've made, which, again, adds back to your... It all goes backwards. You see, it goes backwards and forwards. It's great. It goes this way and that way. Uh, And because you're becoming more self-controlled, you become more persevering, because good luck being perfect in your self-control the first time around. (laughs) Self-control starts with saying no once and then probably saying yes a couple of times again, then saying no again, and then saying no maybe the second time in a row and you're like, great, I've done such a great job. And then you say yes again, you're like, whoops. Um, Perseverance is so key to our growth. If you're going to give up at the first sign of any trouble, you're you're not going to make it to to love. We're not even at love yet. There's more to go. And when you're becoming perseverant, your perseverance will lead to godliness. Godliness in your character, godliness in your friendships, godliness in in your interactions with the people around you. And the next point I have is that up until this point, we have been solely dealing with the vertical relationship. God doesn't want us to move on to the horizontal relationship stage until we got that vertical relationship right. If your vertical relationship isn't right, then you probably should be focusing on that, to be honest with you. You need to get into his word. You need to spend time with him. You need to bother. You need to make, you need to make every effort, to be honest with you. You need to go back to his word, and you need to get into it and get that vertical relationship right, because the next step is mutual affection, and you're supposed to love the people sat beside you. <laughs> yeah. Love the people sat beside you. Um, that, that's that brotherly love, more Greek. Love better Greek mad for the Greek. Um, (laughs) That's the old Philadelphia or Philios or whatever interpretation you want to have of it, um, where you love people who are in Christ. You have that brotherly connection and you grow with each other in Christ. And finally, we're called to love. And as I said, 
if you skip the rest of those stages, the love is going to be the hardest thing to do. And I think that's something in the modern church that we get wrong. We, we preach to people who've just come to faith and we say, you need to love everybody now. You don't need to, you've got your faith, you know what God says about you, and now you need to go out into the world and love them. No, you don't. You do, but no, you don't. Initially, you need to change yourself. You need to let God change your life. Because if you skip that process, you're not going to be able to show them an effective image of God's love because you don't know it for yourself. You don't know what it can do for your life. Um, and you don't know how, how it can change you. So as I said before, um, our faith isn't, it's not a passive passive calling. It's something that has purpose and it calls us to a list of things that lead, lead on one to the next. And that end goal is love. That love is the agape love, the self-sacrificial love, the Christ-like love, the love that Christ showed us. And as I said, if we don't know that love in our own lives, how can we show that to anybody else? The next thing that Peter talks about is that if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Same knowledge from the start of the list, same word. Um, this isn't a one-off thing. You don't get to the end of the list and stop. You don't, you don't go through the goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, blah, blah, etc., and get to love and just go, cool, made it, epic. You should be continually adding those things to your faith day by day. You should be adding moral excellence every day. You should be adding knowledge every day. You should be adding self-control, perseverance every single day. Because if you do, actually, hang on a second, I have a little rugby, going back to the rugby, just for a bit of light relief. (laughs) Do you think Johnny Sexton or Owen Farrell took one kick one time? I love it. The bloke who takes the kicks. Kick bloke, yeah, him. Do you think they took one kick one time and got it through the post and then got the call for the Lions? No, of course they didn't. They spent hours and hours in cold winters, hours, hours and hours of cold, cold winters, stood on rugby pitches in small towns in England and Ireland, taking kicks over that crossbar, posts, thanks. I was like, what is this called? taking kicks from all different sorts of angles, normally alone. If you've ever seen those kickers, they're normally by themselves. They stand on those pitches and they take kicks for probably days on end, actually, if you counted it up. And I think that's very important because I think in that we see that if we're repetitively adding things to our faith, repetition changes things as well. So you can consciously add these things to your faith, but if you're not repeating them over and over again, you'll forget them. You'll forget how to do them, and you'll forget what the point of them even is. And if you don't practice them, you're not going to have them when you need them. You're not going to have them when you're 12 points to 15 points against the All Blacks yesterday that ends in a draw, but not better. Um, You're not going to have those skills when you need them. And Peter says that that's that's a sort of dangerous place to be. Because whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Forgetting that you've been saved, even. And as you all know, I wear glasses. I'm not short-sighted. Anyone in the room short-sighted? Yeah. You struggle to see things further away, I understand, rather than close up. 
yeah, they do all this business. You've seen them with their phones, like, up to their face like that. So I'm in this category. I'm in, like, the old people category where you're like, can't see it. <laughs> Genuine. Um, and I don't think that that's by mistake that God said, when you're not practicing these things, you can see things that are right in front of you, but when it comes to long, long-term long-term vision for churches, long-term vision for your faith, long-term vision for your community. You're struggling to see where you're going. You might, you might not even be able to see what's in front of your face because you're blind. You can't see where you're, what your next step is even. So no wonder that Peter goes on to say that we're stumbling because we can't see where we're going. We're falling over things that are right in front of our face. And when you sort of look back at your own spiritual walk, I guarantee you that any time you see yourself in the past, feeling God. It wasn't because of where God was, it was because of where you were. Because God doesn't leave you or forsake you if you remember from those great and precious promises that you got with your faith, but you don't because you haven't been practicing the things that you're supposed to be practicing. And if you, if you sort of look at, at your spiritual walk, you know that the further you are away from God, the more you're struggling to, to get to know him, the more you're struggling to live out your faith on a day-to-day basis you can't be who you want to be because you're not spending time with him you're not doing the things you're supposed to do in order to grow so in the end then it's not going to be this i'm just at the end of the passage hang on now calm down there's more to come peter goes again and he says make every effort to confirm your calling and election to confirm your calling. Who are you confirming your calling to? Because I think you have to confirm your calling to yourself first. You need to know that you're saved, if that makes sense. And how do you know that you're saved? Well, you look back at your life and you go, I'm not who I was 12 months ago, two years ago, five years ago. I'm not that person who I used to be. So first and foremost, you need to confirm your own calling to yourself. Secondly, you need to confirm your calling to those around you. People need to look at you and go, you know what, they're not who they were 12 months ago. They're not who they were two years ago. They're not who they were five years ago. They are growing. They are growing in Christ and they are growing in the things of God and they're living out an effective faith in, in their community. And I had this thought about seeds. I'm not much of a gardener. No, can't really grow things, but I know someone who is. My grandfather is a great gardener. And when he plants stuff, it grows. Not like when I plant stuff, it doesn't grow, mainly because I don't look after it. I did the Andrea Parry where I brought a pen. As I said, no, what am I going to write? Um, one thing that everyone's probably grown in their life at some point is a sunflower. Has everyone grown a sunflower at some point in their life? Yeah. So, No? You've never grown a sunflower? Cress, okay, yeah, sure. Cress, boring. Um, And when we sort of plant those sunflower seeds in school, we know that we've planted that seed, and we know that it's under there. And when the conditions are perfect, sunflowers tend to grow. But if a sunflower doesn't grow, if in fact nothing grows, there's no little green shoot, there's nothing, are you sure that you even planted a sunflower seed to begin with? Or what if some other like little weeds and stuff start to grow and there's other plants that start growing in your life that you didn't even plant, you didn't think, but they're there and they're growing, and this sunflower isn't there at all. And the only way I can put this is that the seed that was planted, the only person who knows it was planted was the person who planted it. 
Yes. Yeah. So basically, whatever. God knows that he's planted the seed in your life, basically. And whether or not you're using it, it doesn't change your salvation. So that's first and foremost. Your faith is always there. You can't lose that. But you can gain things. You can gain leaves. And if I continue my sunflower analogy, flowers and things look nice and pretty. But the main things that you can gain are the goodness and the knowledge and the knowledge and self-control, self-control, the perseverance, the mutual affection and the love. And when you're growing in God, you're adding those things to your faith all the time. If there's no proof, how can we be sure that people are even saved? I came across, across this quote as I was sort of preparing this from Charles Spurgeon, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And he, I don't know what he was talking about, really. <laughs> I did read it, but you know that sort of way when you like take out one thing and you're like, what on earth is the rest of that about? Anyway, um, he talked... <laughs> it's the one take-home point, isn't it? Everyone has the one take-home point. Yeah. And he talks about grey-headed babies. That's why it stuck out to me, because it's such a weird image. If baby Madge is born in December with a full head of grey hair and wrinkles, I'll be quite concerned about, <laughs> about things like a Benjamin Button-type scenario. But it's not a joke to joke about our spiritual age, really. And this isn't about, this isn't about growing old. It's about growing up. Yeah. It's about growing up into everything that God has for you. It's yeah. about growing up in the... In, fellowship with the people around you and fellowship with God about getting that vertical relationship right and then about getting that horizontal relationship right. I don't know if I have much more to say really from Second Peter, which means this has probably been quite short because I talk quickly because I'm Irish. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When I came to ABC for the very first time, before I knew pretty much anything about any of you, I sat in that seat that's empty, actually, currently. The empty seat in the row by the door. Ooh. Ah. Just kidding. And I prayed that God would make this place a place of healing for me. And I don't think it's an accident that Pastor Phil has just referred to that. I don't think, I don't think that's an accident that I came here. And I think people in this church are modeling those qualities really, really well. Some of you. <laughs> some of you that's not a joke I, I don't want to come back to this church in 5, 10, 15 20, 40 years time and see the people that I see today at the same level that they are today I don't want to see that and there's people in this church praying scary prayers <laughs> Emily does it a lot. She prays really scary prayers. If the whole of Betos Rugby Club walked in here right now, would you know what to do? <laughs> because that could happen, because it's been prayed. So you better watch out, because if a whole rugby team comes here, are you going to know how to love them? Because those people are different from the people in church. These people didn't grow up in church. They don't know Jesus. But do you know how to love them? And if you're not growing in your faith, you won't. You won't know how to love those people. You won't know how to grow those people. You won't know how to support those people. And as I said, I don't want to come back here in five or ten years' time and see you where you are today. Because if I... Good firm slap across the ear if you are. Yeah. I don't, know if, I don't know what else I have to say. I feel like there's something else I forgot that I'd thought about, that I meant to say, that I haven't said yet. Oh, yeah. 
there we go. The actual last verse that I've just completely ignored. Blah, blah, blah. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're going to be a part of a Lions team that wins. Yes. You, don't, right. you don't draw with the All Blacks. No, the All Blacks are fairly beneath you. In fact, you beat them three games to nil by like a 50-point margin. Pretty 50, they don't even score. There's no score. Your rich welcome is in the kingdom of heaven. And I don't want to see people who are doing it for themselves, that are in it to get rewards now, that are in it to, to sort of benefit themselves now. Because God doesn't promise you a spiritual benefit now. He doesn't promise you that. Okay, yeah, there's examples of people who prosper in the Bible and there's examples of people who prosper on earth because of their faith. But he doesn't promise it. What he promises is struggling and hardship and all sorts of other wonderful things that really you wonder, do I want to be a co-heir with Christ and all this struggling? <laughs> but I think that's the main, the main message that I have for you today is that you are a co-heir with Christ in everything. Yes. You don't get to pick and choose the little, the little parts that you want from this life and this faith that, and this relationship that you have. You get everything because Christ paid everything for you. And he didn't come down and go, John, I'm going to skip the cross today. We're going to find some other kind of, kind of solution to this spiritual hardship and things. There. We're going to find another way to save these people. God didn't do that for you. He died on that cross for you. And if that doesn't change you from the inside out, nothing will. Nothing will. Um, I suppose the band can come and play a little tune um, <laughs> now. as I go away from this place you guys should really know that I'm going to be praying for you big style because I think God's about to move in Ammonford in a way that you haven't seen for a while I feel like you've been given a bit of a a bit of a dry run with me because I came from a church background I knew God before I got here but I wasn't close to him when I got here and I feel like there's going to be people coming through that door who don't know God at all but you need to do the same thing that you've done. (laughs) That's it. You need to come alongside those people and love them like God loved them. And there's a verse in Isaiah 54 where God says, enlarge the place of your tent. That's because he's adding people to your family. You're going to need to make room for those people. You're going to need to come alongside them and you're going to need to put your arm around them and say, you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ and I am here to help you. And as I said, some of you are doing a good job of that at the minute and some of you maybe aren't. <laughs> and if you want to know who you are, come up afterwards. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm leaving next week and I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, No, but genuinely, you guys are a place where you can feel God's presence here. You know he's here. You know he's in the hearts and lives of people in this church. And you can see him moving pretty much every single week. You can see people changed in this place every single week. And I want to come back and I want to see everybody changed. And I want to see new people that I don't know and see them changed as well. Because that means God's doing his job here.
And so are you. That's it. That's it. I don't have anything more to say. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 59 6000.